is, you know, what can my little bit do for such a big problem that's going on, or two big issues that, that are happening in the world? And you know, that kind of reminds me of, of the little boy who gave his lunch, you know, when Jesus fed the 5,000, and there was a boy who had a few loaves and a few fish, and he gave them to Jesus, and Jesus multiplied them and fed thousands and thousands of people. And really, that's a biblical principle of you give what you can give, and you watch God do something amazing with it, and breathe on it supernaturally, and use it to change lives. And it's not your job to go, oh, how small is my gift? It's more like God use this, breathe on it, blow on it, and make it supernaturally go further and do more and reach people's lives. And imagine if, you know, one day in heaven, you're walking with Jesus, and he's introducing you to people and being like, hey, this person got, you know, disaster relief uh, in Mozambique, or, or this person had a surgery in Senegal, and um, this person got reunited with their family, and Jesus is introducing you to these people and saying, this little church, this little church in, in Potidur, you know, you may have never heard of Potidur to these people, but they gave, and that gift actually happened so that you could then um, meet with Jesus or get practical help, and it could be recorded in the whole of history in, in eternity. That's how I look at it, because actually that's the truth. When we give, it's about our heart, and Jesus has to do the rest with it. Awesome. So what I want to do is I want to speak into a bit of this, um, I want to speak into the gift days, and I want to use a, a little passage out of Matthew 13. So if you've got a Bible, we might want to turn to Matthew 13. Um, I'm not going to put it on the screen, but otherwise you can just listen to my beautiful voice. Um, and we're going to read, actually it's only one verse, and it's a short little illustration that Jesus spoke about the kingdom. So Matthew 13:44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And in his joy, went and sold everything he had and bought that field. I'll read it again. The kingdom, the rangatiratanga of heaven, is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy, went and sold everything, sold all that he had, and bought that field. So to kind of understand the context, to understand this parable, you first need to get your head around how reliant we are on banks and insurance and secure storage. And when we've got uh, things we want to look after, it's like we know what to do with it. You know, you're not really worried about your money getting stolen from a bank, although I know it does occasionally happen. But in Jesus' day, he's talking to people who, what do you do? If you've got valuable things, how do you protect those? How do you look after them? You leave your house, you haven't got a padlock on the door or, you know, a kind of keypad. How do you look after things? Imagine you have to go on a long journey for some reason, and you think, oh, I may end up never returning, or it may be months until I return. What do you do with your valuable possessions? Well, you dig a hole, you bury it, you hide it, and hope that no one finds it. Or imagine that you have got a, an army that's coming in to, to raid your town, and you don't want to lose all your valuable possessions. You dig a hole, you hide it, you, you do it in an inconspicuous place so that no one can find it. So you can imagine that across the countryside where Jesus was, there's probably like a bit of a lottery of treasure just hiding around the place. People may have died, they may have left it, they may have not come back. So much more than our day, you could kind of stumble across something exciting, and that's what this man did. He stumbled across something that was a big deal and was going to change his life. Jesus says that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like this taonga, this treasure. So what's the kingdom of God? It's the rule and the reign of God. So it's where God is in his love, his power, where he's redeeming people's lives, he's setting them free, restoring families, bringing his, his power and his rule to people and to the earth. 
We pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, because in heaven there's the perfect rule and reign of God, and we're praying that that would come to earth. That's what the kingdom of God is. He says it's hidden away in a field, and a man stumbles across it, realizes, wow, this is going to change my life. This is a once-in-a-lifetime find in front of me. And he sells everything he owns, comes back, purchases the field to have legal rights to this treasure. Jesus is saying that this is how we come to know Jesus. This is how we enter into the kingdom. It's like we've stumbled across the best thing that's ever going to happen in our lives. We've stumbled across this incredible gift, and that's what it's like to know Jesus. That's what it's like to come into the kingdom. So what does a man do? He sells everything. In his joy, he goes and sells everything. So this story would indicate that he's not particularly rich because he can't just go and add this field on to his sort of list of property and list of acquisitions. He has to make a choice. It's either everything I've got or the treasure in the field. And he has to make that decision. I'm going to sell it all in my joy. I'm going to sell it all and go for the treasure in the field. This isn't saying that you can buy your way into to God or buy your way into a relationship with Jesus. In, um, in Acts chapter 8, there's a guy called Simon the Sorcerer, and he says to Peter, he offers him money and says, let me buy this gift of God. And Peter, he doesn't mince his words, he says, may your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. So it's not about that. It's not about buying your way in. It's about this. Following Jesus is a treasure, and you have to give up everything to get it. That's the point of the story. You've got to give up everything if you want a relationship with God, if you want to come into the kingdom. And that's what I want to focus on a little bit this morning. So that little story is from Matthew 13. And a few chapters later in Matthew 16, Jesus picks up this theme again. And Matthew 16, 24 says this, Whoever wants to be my disciple, this is Jesus talking, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it? What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The Son of Man is going to come in in his Father's glory and with the angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. It's a pretty hard-hitting verse, isn't it? Jesus is saying, if you want to find life, you've got to lose it first. It's like the reverse of the kingdom. The very thing you want, you've got to give it away if you want to gain it in Jesus. He says, actually, take up your cross and follow him. Jesus' listeners in that day would have recoiled at that saying, take up your cross, because they understood that taking up your cross was a death march to your own crucifixion. It's putting your cross on your back, walking up that hill to be murdered. That's what it means to take up your cross. Jesus is saying you've got to sell everything to find the treasure. I think it's easier to see this in action in other countries. It's sometimes harder to see it at home. In other countries, to become a Christian really means you can lose everything. It can mean beatings. It can mean being thrown out of your whanau. It can mean losing your whole family identity, your whole cultural identity can be lost because you've decided to follow Jesus now. Your financial security, your means of supporting yourself, 
your future, in a worldly sense, can be stripped from you because you said yes to Jesus. You can bring shame on your whole family, your whole village, treat it as an idiot, an outcast, as a reject. People in those countries count the cost and say, it's worth it to find the treasure of knowing Jesus. Isn't that incredible? We don't, I don't have a, personally have an experience of what that looks like. It is so radical. It's not the same here, is it? Actually, we can fool ourselves in this country. We can say a little prayer and come to church every now and again, but really nothing's changed on the inside. We still think the same way. We still do what we want. We still act the same way. We haven't sold anything to get the treasure. So in one sense, what we're trying to do is add the treasure onto the treasures we already have. If you could do that, you can't. You can't do that. But that's how we act. We sometimes, and I, and I include myself in this because we all do this to some degree or another at some point in our lives, we try and tack Jesus onto our life. We say, this is my life, Jesus. Come and walk with me. Come and be a little part of it. And then we say, and bless this life, Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not going to bless what I've told you to kill. I'm not going to bless what I've told you to lose. I've said, give it away and come and follow me. That's actually what discipleship looks like. When you talk about being a disciple of Jesus, it looks like giving your life away. This is a challenge for every single one of us. If you're here and you're just thinking, what about faith, what about Jesus, or I've just made a commitment to Jesus, this is the challenge for you. It's give your life away and come follow me. Or if you've known Jesus for decades and walked with him faithfully, the challenge for you is give your life away and come and follow me. It's how, you, how we start is the same way we carry on in the Christian walk. It's give our lives away for the joy of finding the treasure. How amazing is that? The joy of finding this treasure in a field. And it really is joy. You know, some, there's some ways of thinking or some religions that will tell you that you deny yourself, you, you, you give it all away, and somehow you attain some sort of building up of yourself, some, your own sort of righteousness, because you've, you know, you've kind of said no to the world and you're going to live on a hill and, and, you know, and kind of by yourself and, and get rid of all the pleasures of this world. Deny yourself, deny yourself, and live by asceticism. Actually, Jesus says this, give your life away because I have something better for you. It was for the joy that he went and sold it, for the treasure. It wasn't just sell everything to look pious and holy. It was actually something better. Do you know, if you're just looking in on the Christian faith, you need to understand this. It's a reasoned faith. It's actually calculated in one sense. Jesus says, you choose your life or treasure in Jesus. And many of us have gone, that is so much better. Of course, I'm going to make that trade. It's actually, we, you think it through. It's not just deny yourself and, 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 and that. It's for the sake of knowing God, a relationship with a close father who we've been worshiping this morning. His presence has been here. He's been showing us the security we have in him, the, the delight, the acceptance we have. That's what we went for when we traded our old life away. It's like, I count it all as loss, Paul said. It's like nothing compared to what I have in Jesus. And I'd say to you as well, like if you... If you're just looking in this morning at faith and thinking, what is this all about? Then you're in the exact same boat as all of us were. It's that we have a problem. We have a problem with sin. And actually, we need the generous, loving Father to deal with that. Take it away from Jesus on the cross. 
so that we can find the treasure and come home to him. Jesus' call to you this morning is give it all away completely. Throw your life away and find a new one in him. Let him give you a new life. And if you've been walking with Jesus for years and years and years, he's saying the exact same thing to you this morning. Give your life away for me. Every aspect of it. And watch the kingdom fruit that he wants to build in your life. Now Luke 9 shares the same words of Jesus, but he adds, it adds one more word in. It says, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So it's not a once-off, it's a daily thing. This is how we walk with Jesus. Do you know that, and I speak from experience, one of the main reasons why some of us are in a place, or many Christians who walk this earth are joyless and irritable, frustrated and powerless, is because they've kept back part of their life for themselves. They said, Jesus, you can have this part, this is mine. And they walk, some people for decades, wondering why life in Jesus is not all it's supposed to be and why it doesn't feel like my burden is light and my yoke is easy and why it doesn't feel like joy. And it's because they've said to Jesus, you can have this much of my life, but this is mine. I'm keeping it for myself. I'm keeping control here. You know, it's gift day. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe you've never said to Jesus, all my money is yours, all of it. Everything I have, my ability to earn, what I do with my money is all yours, Jesus. Maybe it's how you express your sexuality and sex. Maybe it's just unhealthy relationships that Jesus is saying, you need to let go of that. And you're saying, I'm keeping it. Maybe it's problems with substance abuse or, or porn addiction, how you spend your time. Maybe it's just fear that gets in the way. And God says, I have this wonderful plan and adventure for you. And you're like, I'm too afraid, God. And you say no to him. We try and hold back a little portion of our life and kind of put it in the don't talk to Jesus about draw, and then we go to conferences, and, and we get people to pray for us, and we're like, something's not right, and you know, we have people lay hands on us, and all those are good things, but do you know what you need to do? You need to give away your life to Jesus. You need to take that area of your life and say, it's yours now, Jesus. I'm not the boss anymore. It's yours. And this is not about uh, rules or regulations, or you've got to do this, this, and this, and you've got to stand up to this and look a certain way. This is about fruitfulness. This is about joy in the Father. This is about having a relationship with Jesus where your life is like an adventure and you know what's going to happen next and the fruit that's going to come and the supernatural breakthrough and the relationships that come from saying, Jesus, everything is is yours now, every area of my life. I just felt when I was preparing this, it was almost like my job was to plead with you and plead with me because we're all on a journey and say, You're the beloved of God. You're so loved by him. Don't hold back your life from him. It's a waste of time. He's got so much more for us. His abundant grace is there waiting for us, for us to say, it's all yours now, Jesus. Just hear his kind voice and say, I'm going to let go and let you be God and look after everything I need. That wonderful word, what was the, the phrase? It was, Sorry, I can't remember. Was it trusted all to God? or was it, Melinda, was it your word? You've got this. There we go. You've got this. It's saying you've got this to God. I haven't got this anymore. I let go. You've got this. And you know, finances are a big part of this. 
And it's, it's the gift day. It's a great time to talk about it. We hardly talk about money as a church. Jesus talked about it a lot. And we sort of shy away from it. You know, of course, we don't want to seem, we don't want to be, we aren't like money hungry and grabbing and talking about it all the time. But, you know, sometimes we don't talk about it enough. And uh, actually, it's a great time to talk about it because Jesus understands this, that your money is so wrapped up with where your heart is. It's like one and the same. He said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If you treasure money and you hold on to it, your heart is there and Jesus wants your heart. And he wants it back. Do you know, I thank God so much for um, the family that I, was, that I grew up in. My parents are here. They might blush. But, you know, they were an amazing example of what it looks like to be a family that just says, financially, Jesus, you're number one. And they, they modeled that to us. They gave money away. They gave lots of money to the church, the churches we've ever belonged to. They, um, they gave money overseas to overseas relief, and they did it in a way that we could kind of connect as kids and be like, well, what are we doing there? What are these, who are these faces on the fridge? Oh, well, they're our sponsored children that we give money to, and we help their community. And actually... Um, for Minalene and I, since we've been married, even before we were married, we've always tried to, to model something like that in our own life and in our own marriage and now in our own family. And really our motto has come from 2 Corinthians 9, which is an incredible passage. Basically it talks about we want to give generously and God will give back generously. It talks about it being about the heart, that actually generosity comes from the heart. It's not about someone compelling you to do something or telling you you've got to do this or, or pressure or force. It's about a generous heart. It says this, you'll be enriched, blessed by God in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So that's what we, we wanted to be a family that is generous on every occasion. These are the aims, by the way. This is not always reality. These are the aims that we've, we've looked for as a family. And we do this with our regularly, with our, with our regular earnings. We want to be generous and give it away. You know, tithing, some of you will have heard this term tithing. It's an interesting concept. It's basically a Jewish concept that's talked a lot about in the Old Testament about giving a tenth of what you have away. In my reading of Scripture, I would actually see that as more of an Old Testament concept than a New Testament one. When I read the New Testament, I see phrases like generous on every occasion. This is the cool part, is that if the Bible talked about giving away 10%, and there's all these things in the Old Testament that were great and wonderful. Paul comes in in 2 Corinthians and he says this. If the ministry that brought condemnation, this ministry of the Old Testament, the law and Moses, if that brought condemnation, if that was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious now has no glory in comparison with the surpassing glory. And he's talking about the new covenant, Jesus, the covenant of the Spirit. If what was transitory or, or temporary came with glory, how much greater is the glory that lasts? Excuse me. Here's the thing. If the glory of the new covenant surpasses the old in every single way, our generosity is going to surpass the old covenant as well. So for me, when I think of like, giving money and, and giving it away. And I think, oh, the Old Testament talk about 10%. Our aim as a family has always been, well, not always been, it is to go beyond that. We want to go beyond whatever is in the Old Testament because we want to see more glory come from our generosity that was available to those in the Old Covenant. Because we're of the covenant of the, 
of the Spirit that surpasses the glory of the old. So for me, that's a marker that goes, God, help me to go beyond this. Help me to be so generous with everything that it surpasses the old covenant. Again, it's not always our, um, our reality. It's always our aim as, as a family to be, I want to go beyond that. So what does that look practically for us? Well, for us, we give quite a lot of that money to this church. You might be like, why, why would you do that? It's not about what you see here. It's about what we prophetically see God doing in this community. So you might, two people can walk into church and see two different things. You could be like, eh, some, some instruments and some people, and well, they look all right, and you know, they sing some songs and go home, and oh, they meet midweek and they look after each other. That might be your opinion of church. Actually, my opinion of church is so much greater than that. And Jesus' opinion of church is so much greater than mine. When I'm giving, when I give money to the church, what I'm saying is I'm investing prophetically into what God is doing in Potidur in the Wellington region and beyond. I'm saying, God, I believe that you put us here to change lives and see people set free and see a community come to know Jesus in all his glory and see them healed and see addictions broken off people, families restored, cultures feeling like they have a place in the kingdom. When I give to the church, that's what I'm doing. I'm saying I'm sowing into eternity for Potidur, the Wellington region and beyond. So, of course, for me, because that's my vision of the church, the glorious church, it's the hope of the world, of course, for me, that means giving financially, just like it means giving my time, my energy, my tears, you know, being with people, all of those things are actually more important to me than my money. So if those things I'm sowing my life into, for me, it's like, well, for Minalene and I, it's like, of course. We also aim to give outside of that, so we want to give to other things that are going on, and and, um, just recently, we've restarted doing something that's outside of us in a different country because we want to model to our kids what it looks like to care for uh, vulnerable and, and people who are in need. So it's, it's to do with um, the kind of sponsoring a child type thing, and we've chosen someone who looks like, or age-wise, is, is around about our boys because we want to put, have correspondence and put his name, his picture on, on the fridge and be like, boys, this is what we're doing, and we're going to pray for him at night times, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna write um, letters to him, and we're going to give financially and model to our children what it looks like to to go beyond ourselves and just our situation. And just really practically, this is what we do as well. We, um, we have a thing called people money, which is a stolen concept from my parents again, where you put money aside every week so that if something comes up, you can just respond to a need. So for Minalene and I, we don't have to ask each other's permission. If something comes up, we'll just tell, them, tell each other what's happened. It's like, oh yeah, we bought groceries, or, or we, we responded to that need, or we, we did something there. And it's like, is that cool? Yeah, that's cool, that's fine. Because we put money aside so that we can be generous on every occasion. Because that's how, that's how we try and model finances in our family. And then on gift days, we do gift days twice a year at the moment. We pr- try and prayerfully respond in faith and say, God, what are you telling us to do? What's a step of faith that seems crazy? And how do we do that? How do we, how do we respond when we have other needs? We have bills and all those kind of things. And we want to hear from God. And often we'll pray separately. We'll come together and God will have told us the exact same thing. And we're like, great, that's God's confirmation. Let's do this and go forward. By the way, I just want to say, if you're here and, and your spouse isn't here or they're not a Christian or they're not, they're not um, part of the church, you need, to, you need to feel a release at this point. That it's not like, well, then what are you doing? All that stuff. It's like, you need to honor your spouse too. You need to work these things out together. And we totally understand. I totally understand the challenge of of what that would be like, and it's tricky. 
So feel released. Don't feel like this is what everyone has to do. In fact, you might have lots of different situations going on. You need to hear the heart of this. It's about generosity of heart. It's not about following a formula or following someone else. At this point, you'd rightly ask me then, why are you telling us your stories? Do you know, often we're very private about what we do financially. Mentally and I, it's between us and God what we do. But you know, sometimes it's time to share with the Fano because I feel like God wants to inspire one another as we share our stories because God is actually looking for us, looking for a people who are so generous that he can take us to that next level of seeing impact in our community. And he's looking and saying, is there a people of generosity here? Are there a people of faith here who can step up and be like, oh, we're going to do this with our time and our effort and our money. So that's why I felt him tell me to share that, because normally I wouldn't, because it's between me and my wife and God. Why does he tell us to give our whole life away and find the treasure? It's because he understands the glory that is to come from that. He understands how good it is to be in the kingdom with every aspect of your life, with your time, with your effort, with your prayers, with a gift day financially. He's saying, give it all away. Do you know the interesting thing about it is that when we try and hold back an area of our life and say, this is the no-go zone, God. This is between me and me, and I'm not going to even talk to you about it. We are robbed of the very thing we're trying to protect. So there's an area of our life that we're like, I've got control. Uh, I'm going to just look after that because I'm worried that I don't have, you know, that if, if God has control, it's not going to be okay. We're trying to protect the joy, the fulfillment, that area of our life, and God is saying you're robbing yourself of the very thing you're trying to protect. Come into him as Lord, him as Savior over every part of your life and see the fruits that will come, and it will scare you. He'll ask you to do some scary things, and then you'll see him come through for you amazingly as well. Sell everything to gain the treasure, Jesus says. Give your life away to Jesus and see the treasure that will follow. And you'll celebrate with him for all eternity in those areas of your life. Don't walk in the wilderness like the Israelites did. They said, here's the promised land. And they said, oh, we're too afraid. They walked back from fear. And God said, right, well, you're going to go round again. And that generation is not going to see the glory of God. And it's like their own disbelief in God in that area stopped them from coming into the promised land. We don't want that for each other, do we? We want to know the grace of God in all its fullness. Can you stand with me? I really hope you heard what, what the Father is trying to say to us through this whole morning, and that is how loving and kind He is. I feel like in a church like ours, I can bring a word like this that is quite challenging because the backdrop is we understand His grace. We understand his love, that he is so for us and not against us, that he isn't just some hard taskmaster that says, jump through these hoops and look a certain way and I'll bless you. He says, my children, I have so much more for you in every area of your life. Keep giving your life away to find this treasure. Come on an adventure with me and see amazing things happen. For some of you, it's about uh, stepping out. God is saying to you, hey, you need, to, you need to pray for that person. Look what I might do. That person's sick. Go pray for healing. And you're saying, no, Lord, I can't do that. He's saying, give that area of your life over to me and see the fruit that will come. I felt as well when I was preparing this, I felt like there were some people here who need to have some 
do some chatting to God because actually you're walking around with a victim mindset. So actually you can be a victim of a situation, but actually you can also walk with a mentality of a victim with the things you do. And it's constantly, oh, it's all, it's all too hard and God owes me this and the world owes me that. And all the while you're being robbed of joy because you're hiding this part of your identity in I'm the victim and, and oh, it's so hard. God is saying, actually, I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He says, I've given you every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. I felt there might be people here, you just need to respond and say, God, I'm going to start living in your victory instead of in this victim mentality. pray, pray for us. Father, we just want to thank you so much for the words that you've been speaking this morning about about being a loving father and a loving mother to us, a comforter, someone who has our security, we are secure in you and you just hold us in your hand. There's no other place we'd rather be than, than be in your presence, Lord Jesus. We thank you so much that in that grace and in that kindness, you're calling us out of fear and calling us to lay our lives down afresh. But we thank you so much that you've got more for us. And as a community, you're bringing us into a season of greater breakthrough. But Lord, you're saying, I'm, I need greater laying, of, laying down of lives. <laughs> well, Father, our response is we're going to do that, Lord. We say yes. Yes to you, Lord. Father, we lift up those areas of our lives that we've shut the door on and say, Jesus, come and let your light in. We trust you that you're not going to condemn, you're going to correct and you're going to bring grace and you're going to bring fruitfulness in that area of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray for the gift day, we pray for the areas of finance, we pray, Lord, for some it's going to be a step of I'm taking a new stand in my life of finances. I'm going to do it through the gift day. And we pray, bless that so much, Lord Jesus. Bless our hearts and our, and our gifts.